It is that time of the year and we are setting our New Year's resolutions. But before you set your New Year resolutions, let me ask you one question. Did you achieve last year's resolutions? I found a statistic that showed that 35% of people kept all their 2020 resolutions. That's actually not bad. 49% kept some of the resolutions for 2020 and 16% kept none. So what's the secret to achieving your New Year's resolutions? In this episode, I will focus on resolutions that intend to form new habits. The framework that I will use in this episode is the same that I used in the Book of Trust and I use in my Trust Habits workshops to help form habits that will build your trustworthiness. I also use this in the book Worst Diet Ever to help lose weight and live healthy. And that's actually how I lost 32 pounds myself. In this episode, I will show you how to form habits successfully so you will achieve your 2022 resolutions. Welcome to The Trust Show. I'm your host, Yoram Solomon, a researcher of trust and the author of The Book of Trust. In this podcast, I will share with you everything that I know and discovered about trust. I will challenge you to think differently about trust. But not only will I teach you about trust, I will also give you actionable advice on how to build trust, be trusted, and know who to trust. It's almost like I'm reading the book of trust to you, but with no holding back and no BS. So since I'm talking about habits, let's start by defining what is a habit. A habit is something that you do automatically. It's something that you don't have to think about it, and it's actually easier to continue to do this habit than to stop it. For example, and I'm going to use this example later in this episode, brushing your teeth. By now, you should be at least used to brushing your teeth, and it's actually harder to stop than to just continue. So without further ado, let's just jump into the first tip that I'm going to give you on how to keep your uh, 2022 resolutions. So first of all, the first one is just one habit. We tend to make a list of our resolutions. So we're going to have 10 resolutions. Jim Collins wrote that if you have more than three priorities, you don't have any. Stephen Covey wrote that if you have two to three priorities, you will complete two to three tasks. If you have four to 10, you will complete one to two. If you have more than 10, you will complete none. And so I really do believe that you should have just one. Have one resolution. I know that for me, with my business, with my personal life, I just put one. But I make sure that I know what this one is. And the Association for Training and Development uh, has done a survey, and I'm going to get back to it uh, with the different tips that I'll give you here today. But the first one is that if you know what your new goal is, what your new habit is, if you know what it is, you have a 10% probability of actually achieving it. 10% probability. 
So let's start with just one new habit or one new goal for 2022. Tip number two or step number two is make a commitment. It, it's not enough that you know what you want to do. You need to really commit to it. And one of the things that helps us commit to it is knowing why we're doing what we're doing. So there has to be a reason. If, if I want to lose weight, if, if I want to be more trusted, there has to be a reason. And knowing what that reason is helps us make that commitment. Again, back to the Association for Training and Development, they realized that if you're making a commitment to achieve a specific goal or a specific objective, now you're up from 10% to 25% probability of achieving that goal. So if you want to make that resolution, make a commitment. Now you still have only 25%. The third tip I'll give you is the first letter from the SMART uh, framework. Uh, you know that goals need to be SMART. Uh, S stands for specific and measurable, A, act achievable, R, relevant, and T, time-bound. So we're going to start with the specific. So tip number three is make sure that your goal is very specific. You know exactly what it is, and, and it's not just general. You know, I want to lose weight. Well, lose weight is not specific enough. I want to lose 32 pounds. That's more specific. I want to be trusted by a specific person. That's specific. So your goal, your, your resolution for 2022 needs to be very specific. Number four, again, part of the SMART framework, it needs to be measurable. You need to be able to measure it. So once again, if I say lose more weight or lose weight, that's that's easy to uh, to just say, but, but it's not really measurable. Uh, lose 32 pounds, now it's measurable. Now you know that you're losing it in pounds and, and you know how you're going to measure. You know what you're gonna use to measure it. I'm adding one more thing to measurable, and that is gradable. I want you to be able to grade yourself to whether you achieved that goal or you didn't achieve that goal, whether you're achieving that resolution or didn't achieve it. And I don't want it to be like only at the end. So at the end of the year is going to be the first time that I can measure if I achieved that goal or not, because at the end of the year, it's going to be too late. You need to be able on a weekly basis, maybe on a daily basis. I wouldn't go as far as monthly because then things can get out of hand and you can't get yourself back on the wagon. You're going to fall off the wagon. So make sure that it's measurable within a reasonable time. And to me, week a weekly basis is good enough. Number five, it has to be achievable. Don't go after a goal that, that you know you can't achieve. By the way, make sure that it's not too easy either. Uh, there is something that's called the Goldilocks rules. You know how Goldilocks came in and said, uh, you know, this bed is too hard, this bed is too soft, this bed is just right, this porridge is too hot, this porridge is too uh, cold, this one is just about right. So. Your goal has to be something that's not too easy, but something that's achievable, something that you can achieve. And um, 
again, if, if it's too easy, you're just going to give up and, and not complete it or, or just it's not important enough. Number six, put a timeline, put a deadline, put due dates. Now, uh, if you put the timeline of by the end of 2022, by the end of 2022, I need to lose 32 pounds. Well, you know, you're going to find minutes before 2022 ends that you haven't lost three pounds. So when you put a timeline, try and make milestones. So maybe it's weekly, maybe it's monthly, whatever it is. But something that throughout the year gets you there, but put it on a timeline. You know, if you know that you're going to lose, I'm, I'm going to use 52 pounds this time, because 52 pounds means two pounds per week, which is achievable. It's not going to be an easy year, but two pounds per week. And what you do is now you have a weekly timeline, a weekly deadline. Again, Association of Training and Development found that if you put a timeline to your goals, now your probability of achieving them goes up to 40%. Now you're at 40% probability of achieving. Number seven make a plan. It, it's great that you said this is what I need to achieve, but this is not going to achieve itself. There, there are actions that need to be taken. There are actions that you need to take. Ask yourself, what would it take for me to achieve that goal? How do I get there? What do I need to do? When do I need to do it? We already covered the when, but what do I need to do? So again, I'm, I'm going back to weight loss. In, in weight loss, it's I need to eat less and I need to work out more. Well, uh, how about actually making a plan? Three miles per day. That, that's what I do. I, I walk three miles per day on, on a treadmill. How much? How many calories do, do you have to consume or, or are you limited in consuming? So now you're making a plan of what are the actions that you need to take in order to achieve that goal. Without that plan, it's it's just a wish. You, you wish that you would lose 32 pounds. With a plan, you actually know what you're going to do. Again, back to the Association of Training and Development, you have a 50% chance of achieving your goal if you actually have a plan. So if you know what it is, you made a commitment, you know why you're doing it, uh, you put a timeline and you have a plan, now you are at 50% probability of achieving your goals. You're already above the average. Number eight, now I'm getting into the nitty-gritty of what makes a habit easier to form. And one of the things is that you need to fill a void. Let's say that you're doing something that was bad and you need to replace it by something good. And I talk a lot about that in the Book of Trust and the seven-step process to form habits that build trustworthiness. But th the first one is that you fill a void. There was something bad that you were doing that trigger that caused you to do that on a regular basis, so you actually have a bad habit, is still there. So I'll give you an example. For me, after dinner, I know from, from when I was a child that after dinner, after you eat your main course, what comes next? Dessert. That's right. So the problem is that you may be careful with what you eat. You may count the calories. Then come the cake or the dessert and drops in another 1,200 calories on you. How do you avoid that? The, the trigger is still going to be there. You are used to have something sweet at dessert after lunch or dinner or any meal, main, main meal. Well, 
you can replace, fill that void, replace that bad habit with a good habit that's going to be triggered by the same trigger. So now I'm using the ice cubes, uh, sugar-free chewing gum. Uh, not crazy about eating chewing gum, but what I did was, since the trigger was just was still there, I just replaced the bad habit of eating a high sugar, high calorie dessert with low calorie, no sugar uh, bubble gum. Uh, replace Coke with Diet Coke. So the trigger, you, you have to assume that the trigger is still there, but you are replacing a bad thing with a good thing. And that helps you maintain that good thing because it's responding to exactly the same trigger. Number nine, friction control. Reduce friction or increase friction if you're trying to stop a bad habit that you have. And this is a good point to actually, a good time to say that uh, your goals for the year, your resolutions don't have to be to start doing something good. They can actually be to stop doing something bad. There's something I've been doing. My New Year's resolution is going to be to stop doing that. Okay, but I'm talking about number nine, friction control. I used to have a motorcycle, was a racing motorcycle. And the thing is, I had a two-car garage with two cars in it. Didn't have room for the motorcycle. And so I built a shed in the backyard for the motorcycle. And I locked the motorcycle in the shed. Because you don't want to leave a motorcycle outdoors, not because it can be stolen or because it's, you know, subject to the elements. Uh, heat, wave, cold, uh, whatever. And so... The thing is that getting the motorcycle out of the shed was just so annoying. It, it caused friction to the point where I stopped riding my motorcycle. The last year I rode my motorcycle was 2015. That was the year I sold the motorcycle and I sold it because I realized I was riding that motorcycle. Or in that year, I rode the motorcycle twice, one of which was to do the state inspection. Why didn't I ride it more? It was just that the friction... The, the whole process, the annoying process of, of doing it, taking the motorcycle out. And then at the end, I had to think about, oh, now I have to do the whole thing backwards. So lock the motorcycle back in the shed, get it through the, the door and, you know, keep the door open because I'm on the motorcycle. It was just so annoying that it was too much friction. So ask yourself, what is causing this habit that I want to adopt? to be hard? And is there any friction that I can reduce? Is there anything that I can do to make it a little easy? Number 10, make it mindless. Make it such that you don't have to think about it. The more you have to think about it, the less likely you are to turn it into a habit. Remember that a habit is something that you're doing that you don't have to think about it. It's, it's automatic. Your brain is available to work on one thing, to think about one thing. Our brains are wired so we can think about one thing consciously at a time. So you need to push this to be subconscious, to be something that you do automatically that you don't have to think about that. If you try and bring variety and interest into this new habit, probably not going to become a habit because you have to think about that. The less you have to think about it, the more it becomes automatic, the more it becomes a habit, the more you achieve your resolution. So make it mindless. Number 10.
Number 11, habit conditioning. I call it habit conditioning. I know that James Clear in the book Atomic Habits referred to it as uh, habit stacking. Uh, But this is where, and the reason I call it habit conditioning is because I want you to take a habit that you already have and make it conditional or contingent upon doing the new habit. And here is my story with that. Uh, Just like you, twice a year, I go and get my teeth cleaned uh, at the dentist's office. And at the end, tell me that this does not happen to you. The dentist says, I want you to start using those soft tips and and those floss, and and I want you to floss and, and use the soft tip every day. And what do you tell them? Sure. And do you have any intention to do it? Of course you do. I, I, I had every intention of doing that. And I never do. It never happens. So this last time, actually the time before last, I went to the dentist. They did the, the cleaning. At the end, the dentist said, well, now I want you to use the soft tips and floss. And I said, you know what? I, I was probably not in the mood, but I said, you know what? Let's, let's at least just be realistic. You know that it's not going to happen. I know that it's not going to happen. You know that I know that it's not going to happen. So why are we wasting our time? Why are we wasting our breath? And then he said something brilliant. He said, you know what? Do you brush your teeth? Yes. Is that a habit? Yes, it is. If I told you today that brushing your teeth has no impact on your health, can you stop? Well, not so much because it's a habit. Remember what I told you at the beginning. It's harder to stop a habit than to start a habit. So, no, I'm I'm not going to stop. He said, okay, here's what I want you to do. When I asked you to floss and use the soft tip before, you were doing it after brushing your teeth, right? I want you to do it before you brush your teeth. In fact, to to earn the right to brush your teeth, you have to first floss or uh, use the soft tip, depending. I, I do one in the morning and one in the evening. That was brilliant. You know why? Because since that day, and this was almost a year ago, there wasn't a single day that I didn't floss in the morning and use the soft tip in, at night. Before brushing my teeth, I had to earn the right. So I want you to think about it that way. Take an existing habit and... Don't try and build this new habit after. Build it as a condition to the habit that you already have. See if there is a habit that you can condition on this new habit, the new resolution that you just made. Number 12, tech support. And no, I'm not talking about calling an 800 number and waiting two hours in line to get help with your computer. Uh, You have technology around you. You're using your computer or more than one computer. You have an iPad or any other tablet. You have an iPhone or any other phone. Maybe you have a smartwatch. Uh, And those are devices that can help you. They can help you by by triggering you to do something. The the simplest way to think about that is, is just to have some kind of a reminder, you know, Uh, You can use your alarm clock uh, in your phone, on your watch, on your computer to remind you to do something same day, same time. I even do that on a weekly basis. There is something that I need to do every Tuesday morning. And I've set an alarm for Tuesday morning. Every Tuesday morning, same time, uh, it will remind me to do that. 
you can use something that's called the Pomodoro timer. You can put it on the calendar. If it's on the calendar, it's going to happen. If it's not on the calendar, it's not going to happen. If I didn't get to it, I will move it on the calendar, but I'm still going to make it. So see what technology is around you that you can harness, that you can use to achieve that, uh, to create that habit, to make sure that it helps you. Those are all little things, but every little thing counts in increasing the probability of you achieving that goal, of you forming that habit. Number 13, make a log. And, and I know it sounds crazy, but, but creating a log actually increases the probability of you forming a habit. First, it makes it real. You know, you're writing it down and somehow it feels more real. Maybe it's a higher level of commitment now that you wrote it down. Two, it's a visible reminder. You know, it's there, it's on the wall, it's it's on your computer or something, but, but it's there. Uh, and, and I have a little issue with it's on your computer because if it's in a file that's not in front of you all the time, it's not a file that automatically opens every time you open your browser, um, then, then, you know, it's really out of sight. You need to make it visible. And by making it visible, it, it might have to be on a piece of paper. So it makes it real. It's a visible reminder. It keeps you honest because you can see if you have done it or you haven't done it. I mean, you can't avoid it. You can't avoid it by saying, I don't remember if I did that or not. No, it's right there in front of you. It keeps you honest. And it's motivating. It's motivating for better or worse. It, for better, it's motivating because you see that you've done it yesterday and you've done it for the last 12 days and that's motivating to do it one more day. Or for worse, you see that you missed it yesterday and that's a motivating factor in making sure that you don't miss it today. So keep a log, number 13. Number 14, use extrinsic motivation. I can probably talk for hours just on the topic of extrinsic motivation. I'll just define, first of all, what motivation is. As long as your motivation is bigger than the effort, you will do something. If your motivation is not big enough, you will not do that. Uh, intrinsic motivation is a motivation that's driven by the outcome, the natural outcome of the thing that you're doing. You know, if you're going to lose weight, the natural outcome is you're going to live longer, you're going to look better, and you're going to feel better. Extrinsic motivation is motivation that has really absolutely nothing, at least nothing natural to do with the outcome of what you're doing. And that is, for example, I can't buy or build or, or fly radio-controlled airplanes, that's my hobby, if I did not lose the amount of pounds that I needed to lose this week. So... Is it a natural outcome? It's not. It's arbitrary. It's artificial. But it is an outcome that we decided to connect. The problem with intrinsic motivation is that sometimes it's just not enough. Why do you want to lose weight? Because I want to live better, live longer, feel better, look better. But... That's something that happens in the future. It's, it's deferred. It's delayed gratification. The cake in front of me right now, that's now. That's immediate gratification. Not going on the treadmill right now, that's immediate gratification or in immediate punishment when you do go on the, on the treadmill. So because the intrinsic motivation is typically delayed or deferred, then you need intrinsic, extrinsic motivation that is artificial, arbitrary, that you tie to something. Uh, and, and you may want to think of it as either a carrot or a stick. 
So a carrot is something good that will happen to me if I do, if I exercise this new habit, or if I stop exercising a bad habit, or a stick, something bad that's gonna happen if I don't exercise this new habit, or if I continue to exercise the bad habit. Uh, here's a question, are you, by using extrinsic motivation, are you doing it for the wrong, re for the wrong reasons? Yes, you are. You're doing it for the wrong reasons. Uh, the right reasons, uh, the thing is that they're not just not motivating enough. So you add the wrong reason, but you don't have to do it all the time. It doesn't have to be forever. It's kind of like, you know, when you start an engine, you don't keep your finger on the starter throughout the entire trip, right? You only keep your finger on the starter until the engine caught on until the engine is running by itself then you don't need the starter anymore just like you know starter fluid when when you want to start a uh, uh a fireplace you know that, that that's using wood and and not gas uh you're gonna use the starter fluid and and you're gonna use matches until the fire catches until the wood catches fire then you don't need it anymore so how long and and i'll get back to the how long but Use extrinsic motivation. It helps you. It's, it's motivating enough for you to continue the habit if intrinsic motivation, the natural reason why you're doing it, is just not enough. Number 15, get an accountability partner. An accountability partner is someone that you trust that would hold you accountable. I'm going to go back to the uh, Association for Strategic uh, Association for Training and Development uh, that said, you know, 10% if you know what you're doing, 25% uh, if you're making a commitment to this new resolution, 40% if you allocate the time, you put a timeline, uh, you put uh, due dates, 50% if you have a plan. That's as far as you can go without having an accountability partner, 50%. What they found was if you have an accountability partner, the fact that you know you feel awkward not meeting your obligation to that accountability partner, somebody else that you promised this to, then um, you're, you're just that feeling awkward is going to get you to 65%. I'm going to take it one step further. Actually, they took it one step further. If you meet your accountability partner on a regular basis, so let's say once a week, they check on you. Obviously, for that, you need to make sure that there is progress that you can show on a weekly basis, that you log on a weekly basis, that's available to your accountability partner to check on you on a weekly basis. If you do that, the probability of forming this habit just went up to 95%. You remember, you started with 10% of just knowing what your resolution is to 95% if you did everything that I told you up until now and you have an accountability partner and you're meeting them on a regular basis. Now, there are all kinds of rules on uh, how to choose an accountability partner and I'm not going to go too deep into that, but you can read about that in the Book of Trust. Last one, number 16. How long do you need to work on this new resolution until it becomes a habit? Remember, 
I'm talking about resolutions that are habits. It's not something that you want to achieve once and be done with it. It's something that you want to adopt, something that you want to be able to do on a regular basis or to stop doing on a regular basis. So, you know, one story is back in 2011, I wanted to get a 1911, uh, Colt 1911. It's a an iconic pistol uh, that was actually released in 1911. So 2011 was the uh, uh, 100th centennial anniversary. And so I wanted to get that and I needed to lose 18 pounds. And I said, you know what? If I'm going to lose 18 pounds, I can buy the pistol. I lost 18 pounds in some like two months, got the pistol, I, I don't even think that it took two months for me to gain the 18 pounds back. So obviously, I did not create a habit. So creating a habit has several aspects. One is for how long are you going to do it? How often are you going to do it? How many times are you going to do it? There was a study that uh, focused on uh, uh, building exercise habits that were done on a daily basis. What they said is that on average, it's 66 days. So 66 times, 66 days that you have done this habit, um, that you would, um, before it becomes a habit. Now, one thing I need to say is that in that study, what they found was that the range was between 18 and 254. So when you say 66, it might just not be a habit for you yet. So the important part is that you do it enough until you feel that it became a habit. And how do you know that it became a habit? You don't need all of those tools that I gave you anymore. You don't need the accountability partner. You don't need an extrinsic motivation. It's something that you realize that you don't think about anymore. You, you don't have to put any system in place to continue to do that. Just like the example I gave you, the analogy with the engine. You don't need, you, you can hear that the engine is running. You don't need your finger on the, uh, the, the start switch or, or the start key. Uh, the, the, the wood already caught fire. You don't need the, the starter fluid anymore. So do that until you feel that it became automatic. And you know what? I'm going to give you one more piece of advice. Do it just a little longer so that you don't risk going back to your old ways. And this is it. This is how you will achieve your resolutions for 2020, 2022, this, uh, this coming year or any other year for that matter. Let me just repeat that really, really quickly. Number one, just have one new habit that you want to form. Number two, make a commitment. Number three, be specific. Number four, make it measurable and gradable so you can grade yourself. Number five, make it achievable, but not too easy. Number six, put a timeline, deadline, due dates, milestones. Number seven, make a plan. How are you going to achieve it? Number eight, fill the void. The trigger is still there. What are you going to replace a bad habit with that's new? Number eight, number nine, friction control. How do you reduce friction if it's a good habit you're trying to avoid or uh, add friction if it's a bad habit you want to stop number 10 make it mindless make it boring make it so that you don't have to think about it number 11 condition a habit you already have in practicing this new habit number 12 what technology around you would help you tech support number 13 log 
It's going to make it real, make it visible, keep you honest and motivate you. Number 14, use extrinsic motivation. Motivation that is not connected, not tied to the natural outcome of your new habit. Number 15, have an accountability partner and meet them on a regular basis. Number 16, do it as long as it takes for you to feel that it became a habit that now it's automatic. As we depart, as we end this episode, I just wanted to let you know of several things. One is that the third edition of the Book of Trust had just come out. It's a 550-page book. This is the most comprehensive book ever written about trust. But if 550 pages are too long for you, then another book just came out, and that's the mini book of trust. With 180 pages, it's an easier, lighter version of the book of trust that's going to be a lot more actionable. Uh, you're just not going to get all of the research that's behind it. And number three, a new format for the Trust Habits Workshop, uh, full day, half day, or virtual is available on our website at trusthabits.com. What would you like to know about trust and trustworthiness? Let me know and I'll answer it in a future episode. I would love to hear from you. Email me at yoram at thetrustshow.com. If you like this episode, subscribe to the show so you will automatically get notified when I release a new episode. Rate it. Write a review for this podcast because those ratings help not only you, but also others looking for podcasts just like this. If you're looking for more resources to learn about how to build trust, be trusted, or know who to trust, look up my workshops at yoramsolomon.com workshops, online courses at trustedatwork.com, find my books on Amazon, or go to my website, yoramsolomon.com. And remember one thing, the answer to these two questions will have the biggest impact on your personal and professional success or failure. Can I trust you? And can you trust me? Thank you for listening or watching The Trust Show.